Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. You know, last week as um, I was wrapping up our chat for the week, I did so by laying out, I wanted to lay out four truths about God's love. Four truths about God's love. You heard the worship team singing about God's love, singing about God's love. In fact, Tiana emphasized, they part, Lord, you love us not with a human love. And I was like, yes, yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I, I, so it is my heart as we are coming up against this yearly celebration in our history as we approach Easter, the moment of triumph in, in, in our faith as Christians, um, I, I wanted to kind of highlight these truths about his love. And because of time, I couldn't cover everything last week um, because the worship team sang for an hour and they did so again this year, uh, this week. So they sang for an hour and so they're going to hear me for an hour. But out of Ephesians chapter 3, what a beautiful move today in the time of worship. If you didn't feel that, man, healing, restoration, breakthrough happening. What a beautiful thing. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. And in this church, if this is your first time with us, do not freak out. Because I like to encourage the people to read with me. We read together, right? And sometimes I get animated and passionate and I clap my hands. Just to keep everyone in sync with us, right? And so my 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 daughter, the creative director here, Alexis Reyes, was um, telling me that that can be threatening because there's a whole new generation where. So, what I will do is I will just snap my fingers. Like this. <laughs> Ephesians chapter three, eighteen, nineteen. Are you ready? (laughs) And may you have the power to understand as oh, who should understand this? Who should understand this? Who should understand this? All right, where are God's people? Are they here? All right, if you consider yourself God's people, then you should understand. This, what? How wide, how and how his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is, it is what? To what? To understand fully. Again? Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What makes you complete? What makes you complete? What makes you complete? Understanding his love. No matter where you are in this trajectory, no matter where you are in this trek, in your journey of life, whether highs or lows, wherever you are, you never feel empty 
If you're a single woman, you don't feel single. You're fulfilled. If you're a single man, you don't feel avoided. You don't feel singleness. You don't feel lonely because you are fulfilled. You are complete. If you are a widow, if you are a widower, and, and if you are an orphan, and on and on. Why? Because his love fulfills you, makes you complete. Whether it's in this church, whether it's another church, whether... Are, are you listening? Yes. Yes. Knowing these characteristics of God, they, they help us know and shape our hope. They help us shape our expectancy and our perspective of who, who, who I say loves me. We began a series at the beginning of the year, a theme for the entire year is what? What is the theme for the year? What is it? I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. So what I decided to do was that it, uh, for this series, I wanted to... Um, lead this series with a question who loves me who loves me if I can say and we have bracelets out there in the, you want to grab those they're next to the keys to the Teslas um, out there I tell you, Miguel you made me a liar for everyone this is his first time doing this so so, so he didn't get all the details right there are keys to Teslas back there but, but there's these bracelets that we're handing out, and the bracelets just simply have the theme. And it's a reminder. It's not supposed to be a fashion statement, but a constant reminder that you are loved. And you're not loved with human love. You're loved with godly love. So, so who loves us? Who loves us? And that's what this is part three. And last week, I got to cover two of these truths. And, um, and I'm going to cover uh, two more today, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, hopefully in the next two weeks. Uh, number one, God is not human. I gave you this last week. God is not human. God is not human. The God who loves you isn't human. Therefore, he cannot love you. He cannot love you with human love. Let me say that again. The God that loves you isn't human. Therefore, he cannot and will not love you with human love. You can only receive from God the purest and the most perfect form of love. Not because he has to love you, but because God is love. God, God is love. You know, there's this, there's this marketing campaign out there, and I'll be careful, because I was, I, was, I was, again, you know, I'm working with, with, with our, our guys to, to keep me straight here. But there's a whole campaign that's campaigning love is love. And I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry. No, love isn't love. Love isn't love. God is love. God is love. Okay? God is love. So, so don't cheapen. Don't cheapen the definition of love. Don't do that. It costs it cost a high price. That's what the cross is there for. All right. Number two. God doesn't have human likeness or form. We talked about this last week. God doesn't have human likeness or form. If you weren't here last week and you didn't grab these notes, I want to encourage you, go to our website, go to our website and listen. Listen, I put out so many scriptures to back up these points. All right? 
Everybody's with me. God doesn't have human likeness or form. God warned the people of Israel as he warns us over and over in Scripture not to try to conjure up any ideas, any ideas of what he looks like. We learned last week that he says, I'm neither woman, I'm neither a man. Don't depict me as such. I am not a man. God is invisible. What is God? Invisible. Because God is a spirit. And Jesus and only Jesus, not Muhammad, not Buddha, uh, not Tom Cruise, and that whole movement. But Jesus and only Jesus is the visible image of God on earth. Jesus and only Jesus. Now, the reason I wanted to emphasize this is because we have cheapened who Jesus is. Obviously, I gave you more details in scriptures for you to read on your own, so I won't do that today, but... I want to get into this number three, the third truth about our God, the one who calls us his heavenly father. Number three, as we continue to speak about Jesus, God is one. Somebody say that with me. God is one. He is what? God is one who is three persons in one essence. Now, there are not three gods in heaven. We as believers, as Christians, don't believe nor serve in three gods. We serve one God who is three persons in one essence. Our God's nature consists of three persons. Say Father, Father. Son, Son, Holy Spirit. The three are God. They are never independent of each other equally God and simultaneously active. That's the God we serve. We give you some scriptures so we can read through this together. Read on your own, all right? Don't just take my word for it because I am a little crazy, right? So so you don't want to take my word for it. I want you to go home and, and, and read on your own. So first scripture, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, who said? Who said, God is speaking. And in his conversation, in his conversation, God said, let, 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 what is us? Huh? Huh? Come on. That's a, it's plural. God is having a a meeting. Let us make, make what? Human beings in our image to be to be like us. I mean, know that if he is talking about us, it has to be more than just one. Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us. I said, here I am, send me. I'm just giving you some references, some scriptures. 
where you see this, this plurality. Uh, next scripture I want to give you. John chapter 17, verse 5. Now, Father, bring me, this is Jesus, into, in, in his prayer. Bring me into the glory, into the glory, into the glory. Do you hear I shared, you shared? What he said? All right, he said, we shared before. Got it? Don't make Jesus 2,000 years ago before the world began. Matthew 3, 16, 17. Because I want you to get this image. I want you to get this image, right? Get this image. Matthew, this is, this is Jesus' baptism. After his baptism, as as came up the heavens alright where was Jesus where was Jesus in the water what happened heavens open and let's go he saw what did he see what did he see and it was descending like a dove the spirit of God is not a dove it's, it's giving you a description of how it descended. All right? So descended like a dove and settling on a who? Jesus. And a from from said, this is what? My dearly loved son who brings me what? Brings me what? All right. Did you see three there? Heavens, spirit descending, and Jesus is in the water. And today I wanted to establish this truth with you so that you understand that the one that loves you doesn't love you with boyfriend love. Doesn't love you with husband love. He doesn't love you with parent love. Not a parental love. His love conquers. His love heals. In fact, his, his love breaks through all human hurt and disappointment. And still today, his love remains a mystery too difficult for our human understanding. It's too great. And see, we cheapen who God is and who Jesus is. We, we cheapen it. We make it you know, hey, he's the messenger, and he comes, and he's the son. And we talked about this. You want to listen to last week so that you can understand uh, the, the, the entirety of what we're talking about. So important. This is why the story of Jesus dying on a cross remains an unreasonable proposition for those that refuse to believe this level of love. This is why this is foolishness. This is craziness. What we believe is craziness to the average person. They can't believe this kind of love. That cross is an emblem. It's a reminder. It's not a fashion statement that you wear across your shirt or tattoo it to your body. It's a reminder of the triumphant victory of Christ for you where he conquered and he defeated death and then he gave you the benefit. Just gave it to you. That's that kind of love. Ask me if I love you that much. No. I love you all the way to the parking lot and into my car. That's it. 
kamu. But but he sacrifices life and then he gives you the benefit. Luke chapter 9:51. I want you to listen to this. As we read, I want you to grasp this. As the time drew near for him, speaking about Jesus, to ascend to heaven. Jesus, come on, resolutely set out for what? Keep track of that word, that word resolutely. It sets the climate of the urgency Jesus had while here on earth. Jesus was on earth with an assignment. Just like you are here on earth with an assignment. You are here on earth with an assignment to fulfill. It's not your dreams and your aspirations. You have a mission and an assignment from the heavens to fulfill here on earth. Jerusalem. Somebody say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This is a place of peace. That's what Jerusalem means. That word resolutely as we get into it. Shows that Jesus was was urgent. Our, our heavenly Father in, in Jesus wanted His Son to accomplish this assignment that He has set out for, and Jerusalem was the destination. Resolutely means to be determined, unwavering in purpose. Jerusalem was Jesus' destination. It was the ultimate destination. Over and over in scriptures, such as Mark chapter 16, 19, such as Luke 13, 22, uh, also in Luke 17, 11, also in Luke 18, 31, also in Luke 19, 28, all of these scriptures, they place Jesus geographically in direction towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem for many Jews around the world still today remains a place that is holy. It is a destination that ties their ancestral roots and their faith all in one place. You think Puerto Ricans love Puerto Rico? Man, visit Israel. They love Israel. And it's a deeper kind of love. No offense to us, our, 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 our poor guy. I know he was already shouting over there. <laughs> Though crowds would be there waving their palm leaves. Come on, lift up your palm leaf. Just lift it up real quick. Just lift it up. The crowds were waving their palm branches and yelling at the top of their lung, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus wasn't there for fanfare. He wasn't there for recognition. Jesus did not have a political agenda. Jesus had an assignment to fulfill. Jesus wasn't going to Jerusalem for this, for, for a participation of Passover. Most certainly Jesus was not in the direction of Jerusalem to take up an offering to the temple for atonement. No. Jesus was pursuing the assignment of the cross. He knew that's my final destination. The cross. 
for you, for you, me. Jesus going to Jerusalem would mark a pivotal moment in our humanity's history. It is essential that you understand unequivocally that Jesus isn't just a messenger. That Jesus isn't a son in the biological sense. And that Jesus here on earth, as I said last week, was a hundred percent, I'm sorry, a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. Y'all like the snapping? There you go. There you go. You gotta, you gotta. So that you can begin to appreciate how intricate this process God laid out to reconcile you back to him. Because you need to understand this kind of love. You got to wrap your head around this kind of love. Young people, young people, you're not going to learn this kind of love in college. You're not going to learn it in college. No, you're not going to learn it in college. In fact, it's going to be tested in college. Average, average young person is now leaving the gospel of Jesus Christ in high school and middle school. While we parents just continue to go to church and clap our hands, stomp our feet, praise Jesus, we're losing our children. Jesus on the cross is the part of God that separated himself from all of his divine properties to become human and suffer a criminal's death. Why? Why go through this long, drawn-out process? Why go through this? Why go through this? Number four. Number four. Because God is righteous. God is... Righteous. He's righteous. He is... Holy. And he is... Love. What is he? Righteous. He is holy. holy and he is... Love. All right? And not only is he these things, but he is all righteous, he is all holy, and he is all love. So you need to understand the complexity of the little emblem that you wave around, that we wear, that we understand it as a constant reminder of how complex this kind of love is, how great it is. Why? Because we read out of Ephesians that we, God's people, ought to know. We ought to know. So why must I know this as a child of God? Well, God cannot and will not violate, violate his laws. Did you hear what uh, Miguel read, the scripture that he read? All right? That is a law. When God says it, it's done. In fact, he says, I am not a man that I should lie. I don't break my promises. Your husband does. Your boyfriend does. Your girlfriend does. Your mama does. Not your dad's. No. Dads are holy. But God cannot violate his laws. He, he cannot violate his laws. If, if God establishes a law, then it has to be fulfilled. Because God is righteous. So you have to understand those three things. Listen, to understand his love, you need to understand those three things. Right? You need to understand that he is righteous. Jesus dying on the cross was to fully fulfill the penalty of sin. Listen, to listen. I said fully satisfy the penalty of sin. 
The rightful punishment for sin as required by God's law is death. That's the the requirement. Wages of sin is what? Death. That's the penalty. Sin separates man from God because a God that is all holy cannot abide. He cannot dwell and be present in the presence of unholiness. Sin repels man from God's very own presence. Not because he lacks love, but because God's very own holiness repels, repels sin. Imagine you're exposing uh, 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 newborns. Any newborns here? Who's the, the, the youngest baby we have here? Youngest baby. Infants. Is he here? He's not here, so he don't count. He then should be in church. Especially on Palm Sunday. Two strikes. <laughs> okay, so baby Zayla will be the, the that, okay, the, the, but imagine exposing your newborn child in its purest form to every toxic and contagious disease and viruses in a room where people are coughing, bah, bah, sneezing. You know, that's something we can't do anymore. You can't cough in public places anymore. You want to stir something up, cough or sneeze. You're going to get everybody's attention. But imagine placing an infant, child, in that environment. It would be catastrophic. God is holy. And it is his holiness that separates sinful man from a holy God. Because of those three things that I pointed out. He is righteous. He is holy. And he is love. So God is holy. And because of this holiness, our sin separates us from him. So in order to bring a sinful man into his very own presence of a God that is holy, then he would have to be sinless, without a blemish, without a fault, and blameless. And man will never be able to reach that standard on his own. No one here. Listen, no one here. No one here, and I have news for you, not your mama, yep. not your daddy, not your grandparents, all right? Oh, my mom is a praying woman, and she got some dirt. She got some dirt. You dig deep, mama got some dirt. You dig deep in that closet, mama got some dirt. Oh, not my uncle, oh, you got some dirt too. See, we, your mama, your mama most certainly is a sin. No, I'm not. Listen, listen, listen. But because of the love of our Heavenly Father, because of His love, my love is, is, is flawed. Dr. G's love is flawed. Huh? It is. You better agree. (laughs) It's flawed. I can't rely on her love. She can't rely on my love. But there is a love that we can rely on. And we need to understand the depth of that love. 
So because of this kind of love, God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then provides us his Son, Jesus, to then atone, atone for our sins. Does anyone know what that word atone means? To atone. To atone, it means to expiate. And that word means to make what was wrong right. It means to reconcile, to bring back to its appropriate origin. That's what atone means. Jesus stepped into darkness to find you, to rescue you, so that he could give you a hope that is so infinite in forgiveness, so great that you and only you could feel it and walk in this boldness of fulfillment. It is a love that comes from a supreme being that we can now call our heavenly father. And he gives you the right to call him daddy. Galatians chapter 4. I want you to pay close attention to the scripture. Tiana, you said this um, in that room today. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for even though she is a Hebrew. You still use her. I'm going to get you all, girl. I'm going to get you back. Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Listen to what he says. He said that God sent him. Who did he send? Jesus, right? To do what? To buy what? To buy what? To buy what? This is why I tell you, you got to be careful what churches you go to. Many, many churches would just thrive on this guilt trip. And, and that's all. You walk in through the door and it's just sin and sin and sin. Hell, hell, hell. Wrath, wrath, wrath. Judgment, judgment, judgment. He sent him to buy. To buy what? I gather here on a Sunday. Listen, I don't gather here on a Sunday to feel guilty. I gather here to celebrate, to praise, and to worship the freedom that's been purchased for me. And he bought it low. Freedom for us who were to the what? Remember I said that he is righteous. So he can't break laws. So God can't break his own law. So we, because of sin, were slaves to... Are you getting this, Angel? Are you getting it? There's going to be a quiz. And then he says, so that he could... He could what? He could what? Adopt us as his very own children. And because we are, God has sent his spirit of his son, where? Right there where you are. Come on, someone go like this. There is sonship there. Sonship. Sonship there. Sonship there. Husbands, that's why you have to watch how you speak to your wife. Because there is sonship there. Wife, you have to be careful how you speak to husband. Why? There is sonship there. Are you listening to me? I dare Rebecca to mistreat Papo in front of his mama's face. I dare her. She can do it in front of me. Don't do it in front of her mama. Where's Jessica? She's, she's teaching in the back. And same thing with Jessica. In fact, yeah, yeah. Adrian be like, no, 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 no,
Don't do it. You possess sonship. Sonship. So I have to have a reverence in the presence of my wife because of what she possesses. She has to have a reverence in my presence. Why? Because of my ponytail. Listen, listen. I, I, I want you to get a, I want you to get a hold of this. Because you don't walk in freedom, and I want you to walk in freedom. Not arrogance. Freedom. Freedom, not a slave. It was purchased and I was given the receipt. So I just hold the receipt. It's paid for. It's paid for. Boom. It's paid for. And can I tell you something about his forgiveness? See, his forgiveness doesn't operate in your timeline. So as you are worried about your, your linear time and how time works for us, God is outside of time. So your past sins, forgiven. Present, forgiven. Future, forgiven. It's according to his timeline. See, we don't understand it because we are so limited in our thinking. We, we are limited in the way we can wrap our understanding. And he goes, I've, I've, but Jesus settled sin once and for all. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Baby, you heard him. I can go sin all I want. It's not what I said. Sin has uh, uh, consequences. You be careful. Watch it. Don't let your sins turn into transgressions. That's another topic. We'll talk about that later on. So then he gives you this into our hearts. Is that it, guys? Prompting us to call out. And then that Abba, Abba just means daddy, papi. Continue. Now, when? When? Now. When? Now. Tomorrow? Now. When? Now. You are no longer a slave, but you are what? And if you are God's own child, what happens? Since you are his child, God has made you his what? Give me three minutes as you can listen to this video. Give me three minutes and listen to this video. Three okay, minutes. so I'm a Catholic. I was raised a Catholic. Um, so I'm a religious person, which I know is anathema to you, and we'll come to that. But my arguments with atheists, historically, have always come down to one thing. And maybe you've got an answer which will persuade me of the folly of my ways, which is this. What was there at the start? We don't know. But... I don't know, and you don't know. But, can, but, can, but no human brain, unless you want to correct me, can actually comprehend nothingness, right? No, but it's, a, it's an, a fallacy to think that because I don't understand how it happened, therefore God did it. I mean, that's just weak. Well, no, I'm, I, okay, but I'm prepared to have an open mind about this. Yes. But somebody did, and I just have never met a human brain that can explain to me what happened before Say so you go for the Big Bang argument. Well, what was there before? What, what does nothing look like? Physicists are debating this. I'm not a physicist, but they're debating it. My point is that they don't know, and I don't know, and you don't know, and it doesn't help to 
postulate a god that did it. But you're certain it's not a god, and yet you admit you don't know. No, I'm, I'm certain that it doesn't help to postulate something very complicated at the outset, because what we've got is primeval simplicity, and from that stems everything. Mm. And what science does, it starts with simplicity, which is relatively easy to understand, and from that it develops into the whole of the universe and the whole of life. It doesn't help to start with complexity, and a creator has to be complex, whatever but else the, he is. The reason that I subscribe to the theory there must be a more powerful being out there than anything the human race has created is because, like I say, a human brain can't comprehend nothingness or what may have come before nothingness. We can't. We're not able to extrapolate what that is, right? I mean, no scientist can explain nothingness, can they? Plausibly. Well, well maybe they can't. You'd have to talk to a physicist, but even... Could if... you explain it? No, quite not a physicist. But no, but you're a very smart guy and you're I'm... a very vehement atheist. No, I'm not. I'm and not you're... that vehement. Well, you're pretty um, vehement. I mean, you, you just think all belief in all gods is ludicrous, right? I think that it doesn't help to introduce complexity at the outset. That's my... No, point. no, I, I get that, but... but no, well, you, I don't think you do get well, it. Well, no, I do, because I... But you're asking me to consider that my own belief in a, a deity that may be above human thinking and understanding and brain power that was there universally, that my theory is scientifically flawed, whereas I would throw back at you, okay, but I need to be given an alternative. I need some scientist somewhere to explain to me, right, four, four billion years, all right, but then what was there before that? Well, scientists can't answer that, and, they, and what they say is things like, it's like going to the it's like going north of the North Pole. Mm. I'm sure, I gather you recently introduced Stephen Hawking, he probably said that to you. Yeah, um, he did actually, yeah. I, um, but the, the point is this, Science can explain things starting with simplicity and working up to complexity. No, I get that, but where science can't explain something, i.e. in the case I just gave you, is it not possible that you're all wrong on the atheist of side of the argument? We could, we could be all wrong, but what... And you what might is, get a shocking surprise one day well, when you're you no might. longer with us. You, you might. And you discover we were right all yeah, along. It's possible. I am not here promoting nor plugging Pierce Morgan. It's not what I'm doing. But I want you to listen to an intellectual conversation. Richard Dawkins has written many, many books on the topic of his hatred for God and the thinking that there could be a God. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, 25. For ever since the world was created, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. Who made? God. They can, they can, clearly. they can clearly, clearly see His. His eternal power and divine nature. So they, have. so they, have. I need evidence. I need it. Show me the proof. I need evidence. 
Give me some evidence. Give me some proof. God says, I've already given it to you. And that's, that suffice. That's, that's the evidence I'm given. That's it. The rest operates on faith. Continue. There's no excuse for, I'm sorry, go back. There's no excuse for Okay, next. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Next. And they began to, they began to, they began to think of, I would really encourage you to go back home and you can look up this particular interview. It is interesting to hear the theories that are out there so acceptable, so acceptable in this banter between Pierce Morgan and Richard Dawkins. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. You don't get to decide what your God is like. You don't, he tells you who, he tells you what he's like. And he gives you scripture so that you know what he's like. And then he tells you, I'm not that, and I'm not this, don't do this. All right? And then he goes, continue. As a result, their minds became and, and confused. Claiming to be wise. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of the glorious ever living God, what did they do? They worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, stop. I want you to know that with every action, every action, you talked about it, Miguel, because it's a law. What you sow, you will reap. That's a God law. It's a God law. It can't be stopped. It can't be broken. And listen, that God law of sowing and reaping, that's for good people and bad people. This is why you can't understand why there's so many bad people that are prosperous. And it's because there's bad people that know how to be generous. And in their gener oh, that's a whole different message. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for what? For what? For a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. You know, my mention today of all of this isn't to convince you. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying to coerce you into believing. I just wanted to give you a chance to consider the kind of love that pursues man in the most deepest form. A, a time is going to come when your limited eyes and your limited understanding will see and understand. Romans 14, 11. And I want you to stand to your feet. Scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord. Who says this? 
Who said it? Look at the person next to you. The Lord said it. The Lord said it. The Lord said it. Every knee, every knee, every knee will bend to me. Listen, every knee, believer and non-believer, will bend. And every tongue will confess and give praise. for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.